Strachan and Bell together. There's Cooper breaking through. A chance now. This will be the fourth ball for Aberdeen. And Cooper puts it in with both Rangers running. Well, suddenly it's become a rout. Of course, when things are going wrong against you, you don't get the breaks of the ball. Cooper in with Stewart. He didn't really know where the ball was, but he got the break. And as you say, it's a schoolboy's dream being able to take your time. Knowing that really, all you've got to do is crack it into the back of the net. Welcome to the Here We Go podcast, the one and only, the legendary. Am I excited? Am I honoured? You better believe it. It's great to be back discussing a win, even more so that in his infinite wisdom, Richard Hay, for some reason, has allowed me to host. Have you been in the pub today, Richard? <laughs> no, but I'm obviously giddy with excitement after a home victory. You see, we're not just here for the miserable 4-0 shallikings. We, we do occasionally turn up on the back of half-decent wins. Good stuff. Um, and our guest this evening... Uh, as a man who's probably in the in the two hundred and eighty odd episodes we've done, uh, he's probably on about his seventh Hatrick ball by now. It's uh, Dolly Digital, aka Mark Elric. How you doing, Mark? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. How are you? We're all good. Yeah, happy to have you back as always. Yeah, thank you for inviting me back again. I don't know if people keep must uh, dinging you, do they? And then I keep getting the call to to come in. So I I'm usually the guest after one of these shellackings. So uh, it is a, is a delight to be here after a, a win. Uh, we're just but we're just buttering you up ahead of your inevitable uh, quiz defeat in a couple of months' time. Need to need to. Yeah, well, of course, the thing is, we did, actually, we did actually like figure you in before the result as well, so um, we can't even say it's like, oh, shite result, better get Mark on the phone. <laughs> it's true, yeah, yeah, it's true. Richard, before we before we start this, well, before we start discussing the game, actually, um, Jim Goodwin was available on the touchline, um, follow, following what I assume was a very late appeal on Friday by the club. Is that a little bit of game in the system, just to get him, get him on the touchline, given that we had an absolute disaster with him sitting in the stand last week? I don't know about that. I think there was, um, I think they were likely to appeal based on the noises coming out of Pitaudry. Um following the initial sentence. Uh, the fact that the club put out that uh, statement saying they were, uh, I forget the language used, but they weren't just upset. Uh, if anyone can remember, what were they? Were they disappointed or worried? I, I forget exactly what it was. But I, th- I thought an appeal was inevitable from that point. However, it is worth noting that they did actually. Um, they didn't contest, they accepted the actual verdict originally. So what they're actually appealing is just the length of the sentence, and I'm not sure how successful that will be. Obviously, I think they're going to try and cite precedent, I think, from what I can see of Nielsen last year having a go at Lewis Ferguson. How much difference it makes having him available is is another point. You know, you would hope with a manager that a lot of your work has been done before the game, and um, yeah, I mean, you still have to be able to react to what's happening in the pitch in front of you. Of course you do. But I think you can do that from the stand. Um, you know, what he was saying in his press conferences, press conferences this week was that uh, what he missed was the ability to speak to his side at half time. But 
again, there can only be a limited amount of tactical information that you can pass on to a team at halftime. Surely it's much more about motivation, one or two key points. And again, if you can't get that through using your assistant manager, I'd question what your assistant manager is there for. I guess as well, Mark, I mean, it wouldn't really matter if he was sitting in the stand at Pataudry, given that he'd be sitting probably just right behind him anyway. Within earshot, yeah. I think I think the phrase was extremely disappointed at the level That's... of sanction. Like, not that I'm reading it straight off. Uh, yeah, someone's looked that up. Code but, um, uh, yeah, I think that was that was the exact words. Not being on the bench, like, you could blame it for some of the United stuff. You know, you can't pass on instruction clearly. But everyone's got phones. Everyone's wired up. Everyone can still communicate to each other, you know. So, but I take your point. If, if he wasn't on the bench today, he would he would have been three feet away anyway. I don't know if it was Alex Ferguson or Jim McLean that had a 12-month touchline ban back in the 80s. Now, that's a, real uh, ban. That's a man's ban. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, we get to the game today. Um, four changes from last week, Richard. Mackenzie, Barron, Lopez and Clarkson come in. Coulson and Johnny Hayes um, completely miss out um, with uh, Bazawin and Watkins on the bench. He announced before the game as well when he was questioned on the radio that it was going to be 3-5-2. Do you think that was born a necessity given that we had you no know, players missing? Or do you think it was just really to give Stuart and Scales a little extra help against, a, let's say, a, a, an agricultural hearts team? Perhaps. Um, interesting that they, they did go with both Humphreys and Shankland up top, um, which meant that playing a three at the back actually made a lot of sense. Whereas if we'd been playing against like a, a side playing one up top, then, you know, you really are wasting a man there if you're playing three at the back. I, I do wonder if it was uh, both Coulson and Hayes, and they must have both been missing through injury this week, um, that necessitated the change. Certainly if you watching that first half, it didn't look like they were altogether that comfortable with the 3-5-2 setup. Um, but then again, they weren't all that comfortable with the 4-2-3-1 setup last week um, as uh, the problems are coming basically from the same areas. We're coming from those wide defensive areas. Uh, and Hart certainly had a couple of big opportunities uh, arising from there. The, the miss of the game comes um, obviously from, from Humphreys playing the ball in and getting possession very cheaply out wide. You know, I think as the game wore on and I think as uh, perhaps the effects of Thursday night started to play a part in Hearts, we, we got more control of the game. I wouldn't say that having Mackenzie and Richardson more advanced really helped them contribute too much in an attacking sense. I thought Mackenzie did pretty well defensively and can be pretty proud of his efforts generally over the 87 or 80 minutes he was 88 minutes he was on the pitch. Um and certainly having that extra support there was necessary at times. I mean, if Stuart had played that pass back, for example, at the start of the second half, and there was only other one centre-half to cover, then it just wouldn't have been the same number of bodies back to help out Roos make that save, and it might have gone back to Hartsfoot after he'd got a hand in. So it, it, I think it was probably more a happenstance circumstance that we were able to make that work with that system and I suspect it was the, the injuries during the week that forced our hand there. Because we're so short of defensive options. I mean, Mackenzie went off, you've got Kennedy to come on. Jack Milne, is, the bench was just overflowing with wingers and strikers. Jack Milne was the only defensive, or even kind of midfield option, really. We are really down to the bare bones defensively in terms of numbers. 
I say, Mark, Hearts were, you would let Hearts were maybe unsettled a little bit early, with an early change. Um, Holiday had to go off with an injury. Um, that was a shame, of course. That was a shame, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, just, just, just devastated to see such an honourable, nice guy have to go off um, so early. Real shame for him. Um, yeah. But they, they still, I would say they probably still had the better of the first half. I mean, they certainly had some some very good chances, as Richard mentioned there. And I mean, we're going to we're going to have to talk about it. I've got I had it on the notes for later on, but. Um, f- Specifically, we'll have to talk about that, Mr. Cochrane. Um, your poor quality Scottish football um, banter accounts are going to be in over- overdrive. I mean, if Danny Baker was still chucking out videos, um, that would be that would be on there at the at the top of the list, wouldn't it? It was it was a bad one. Thank thank the Lord. You know, like we've we've had a few as well that we've um, we should be sticking away. And um, yeah, yeah. I mean, Cochrane's not really used to being up there, is he? Kind of, he was almost caught in kind of two minds what to do or it didn't quite fall to him so yeah thankfully we we got away with that one but i do think hearts were um hearts probably edged it in the first half i think and both keepers had good saves to make too in that first half but um yeah going in at halftime nil nil take that and it had nil nil all over it or whoever was going to score first was going to go on to win it. i think both both teams coming from heavy defeats in their previous games you know i think i think the confidence would have just sapped out of Whoever conceded first, and I think that's what happened with Hearts. Yeah, Richard. I mean, neither side, no, neither of us were playing what you would class vintage vintage football. But I mean, that shows from you know two teams that in their last game, or for in Hearts' case, last two games, have taken um, a couple of spankings. Both pretty slack at the back and squandering chance in front of goal. I mean, our our probably best chance of the first half came from Mayovsky, but again, you know, Craig Gordon does what he seems to do all the time and just manages to produce the, the good stop, getting a le- I think it was a leg, just get a, a loose leg out for this one. Is this the one where Miofsky plays uh, Lopez through? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, really, I mean, Miofsky does well to, to win the ball so high, but again, yeah, you're right to see it sloppiness from the Hearts defence, you know, much in the same way it was sloppiness from us to allow the ball to come in uh, for Cochrane's opportunity and, and Richardson was sleeping to, to allow Cochrane to, to beat him to the ball there and he was static as Cochrane came in. Then there's one just before halftime where Shanklin doesn't quite get enough to lob it over Roos and Roos who had a good game was um, was caught a little bit in no man's land and, and kind of almost created the opportunity in a way for Shanklin because he was in, coming onto the ball in such a, such a position that that was his only opportunity really of scoring was going up and over and because Bruce was so far out it made it a much more attractive attractive place to put the ball I, I felt at the time that Lopez probably should have scored that one one on one with a keeper you're always hoping a striker can put that away obviously Gordon tends to be um, tends to be pretty good in those one on one situations um, we're in the territory of course where any sort of basic save that Craig Gordon makes is uh, acclaimed as uh, just being <laughs> him and McGregor it seems any sort of Box standard save they make. They're just acclaimed as being world beaten. But the last couple of games, the last couple of weeks, he's definitely been uh, susceptible and he's definitely been at fault for some of those goals. Um, but he does well in that one-on-one. But that first half, we were not creating that much. Um, we weren't really stretching them or causing them that much trouble. I thought uh, Lopez's physicality and speed was causing them a bit, bit of trouble. What was noticeable, I thought, and this must have been a plan because it's not something we've been prone to doing, was that we were frequently trying to, to get the ball just right on top of the Hearts back line, uh, hoping that uh, Mioska Lopez could get a little bit of joy and flick it onto the other one. 
And as I say, we haven't seen that. But then again, we haven't really been playing with two strikers up top all that often. So again, I suspect that's something they worked on, something they hope to get a little bit more joy of, joy out of. But it didn't really come to anything. One sort of half opportunity early on where Lopez almost creates himself a chance and then let's be honest, it's a pretty outrageous dive from him to try and win a penalty kick. There might have been slight contact on him, but the exaggerated dive was guaranteed he was absolutely not going to get anything. A disappointing first half, but still put quite a compelling view, I thought. I thought there was enough intention from both sides at that point to try and win the game. But certainly Hearts passed up the better opportunities. For the, am I being harsh, um, or just for the for the purposes of debate, really? I mean, based on just that one absolute howler of a sitter they had, um, were we lucky not to be behind at halftime, or, or was it probably even? I think Hearts were the better team, and if they had been a goal ahead at halftime, I don't think we would have had too much arguments. But I don't think I don't think they, yeah, I don't think they deserved to go in ahead of us. I don't think they were completely dominating the game and passing up chance after chance after chance. You know, like if if, if Lopez doesn't um, play the ball directly at Craig Gordon, we're up 1-0. Like, like he, he gets it. He gets a trailing leg to it. Like Craig Gordon, how old is he? He's like 58 years old now or something. If you play powerful along the deck, he's not going to get down. And it was kind of proven with the two goals. I was saying that at half time. If he plays that, to either corner with a bit of power low down, he's not he's not he's not reaching it. So it's it's obvious to say, but whoever whoever had scored first was going to uh, was going to win. And clearly, I couldn't have argued if if Hearts had scored first before half time. Maybe not by by half time, but after about an hour, they'd, there was the weight of their chances, the weight of their. I guess, yeah. to be wanky, the collective XG that they had squandered because you had that chance in the first half, that big, big chance. A couple of other smaller ones, such as the Shankland lob. Then in the second half, though, right at the start, you get the opportunity where they go clean through. Um, mm-hmm. And Humphreys tries to round the keeper and Roos does really well. Uh, and Shankland with another inexplicable miss from about eight yards out with a goal, again, at his mercy. So by that point, you are looking at being fairly fortunate, I think, to still be level. Um, yeah, I, I would agree that it was a pretty level first half, but just the weight of the openings, the size of the openings, really, that Hearts had created uh, before we got the first. But your point about the first goal is, is very well mentioned, and it's so crucial in this league so often. Um, we were speaking before we started this call, Mark, and I made the point that if we'd scored first last week, you know, if Miofsky scores, for example, that uh, sitter that yeah. he misses early on, even though we end up losing that game 4-0, I, I'm pretty certain if we'd scored first, we'd have gone on to win because it's just so key in so many of these fixtures. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. I think I think Miofsky had a hat-trick of chances really last weekend, but um, I don't want to talk about last weekend ever again. <laughs> I will Before say, it's... like, Shankland... Sorry, sorry, like, Shankland... <laughs> He's a bit of a myth, isn't he? Like Shankland, he's 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 hyped. He's maybe not hyped, but he's he's certainly not a Premiership um, standard goal scorer. I don't yeah. think. I mean, this is something that came up. I've spoken to a mate about at the game today, and you know, when he was at Dundee United in that first season, I thought he was a, a very hard worker and looked very good mm-hmm. with the ball, yeah. but didn't really look that predatory in front of goal. And I don't think he is a 
he is a main striker for a team that's got aspirations of being in the top six. I know that Dundee United mm-hmm. ended up in the top. I think they did, didn't they? That first season up, they ended up back in the top six. But he just doesn't strike me as someone who's really going to add that much quality to your side. I mean, he's gone abroad. He's got the experience of doing that. But it was largely a massive failure, wasn't it? Um, he scored a hell of a lot of goals, a hell of, such a weight of goals in the lower leagues. But, you know, so is Rory McKenzie. And I don't particularly want... Not Rory McKenzie, Rory <laughs> McAllister. Uh, but I don't particularly yeah. want him starting up front for us. No, it's true. And it, it, probably chances like that just um, just highlight that. I don't. I don't want to just be bashing Shanklin's, but um, there's a lot of there's a lot of myth surrounding this Hearts team. I think as well, like they've got delusions of being the third biggest club. Uh, Craig Gordon's past it. He's no longer the the best goalkeeper Scotland has. I don't think. Um, I think Hearts have lost 10 of the last 14 I think I saw somewhere today so there's a lot of myth in fact they should be called Heart of Mythlothian that's, that's <laughs> what this team should be called very now good. they, they really thank you very much thank you thank you um they're, they're not really up to much you know and if we don't finish ahead of them this season um it'll be a poor reflection on, on what we've done well while we're laying in the hearts let's just keep that going um <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I mean, I've I've got I've got I've got here, you know, that I wanted to talk about Connor Barron versus Snodgrass because I thought it was an interesting battle in midfield at times. You know, without service, Shankland is, uh, as you say, he's absolutely a myth. He's no, he needs people to like, kind of lay them, really lay them on for him. I mean, I'm not saying he's a tap-in merchant, but um, it really shows how much that that Hearts team are missing Boyce and how much he really carried them mm. last season. But you look at look at the team, you know, someone like Snodgrass is, came in, capable player. Um, but his legs are completely gone, and I think that that's something that showed when we got our when we got the the second goal at least anyway. Um, you know, Bizarre coming on, it was for Clarkson. He actually came on, but Bizarre coming on with that energy that he brought, um, you know, just just gave them no end of problems because Snodgrass needs to needs two guys with him doing all the running. Um, and I thought that was I actually thought it was a, a pretty intelligent change by um, Jim Goodwin. I think it was the right change at the right time as well. It, uh, it added a bit of energy. Uh, it was somebody that was um, going to stretch the game a bit more than Leighton Clarkson had. You know, for most of the first half, I think we were, we were relying on something from Barron or something from something from Clarkson being able to open things up. And there were one or two moments, one or two balls through that looked like it might, might achieve something. Um, one lovely ball from Barron, I think it was, to Richardson that was just too far ahead of him that Gordon came out and cleared it, it just wasn't quite linking up. I thought essentially that Snodgrass's game contribution matched the rest of Hearts. I thought they were competed really well for 60, 65 minutes and then just kind of fell away. The energy just wasn't there to push on again, particularly after they went behind. And as I say, I just wonder how much uh, Thursday night's exertions in that hammering might have played a part. You know, Snodgrass is a clearly was a, a very good level of footballer, but I think you've got to have a reasonable amount of engine about you to get to get about in an SBFL midfield these days, don't you? Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. Like I was, I wouldn't say I was looking forward to seeing Snodgrass, but it's been a while since I'd seen him in the flesh, so I was I was interested to see um, how he would play. And there's there was shades of kind of Scott Brown at Aberdeen last year. You know, he he still had a bit of something about him, but could he be arsed? You know, he, I got the impression that Snodgrass couldn't really, couldn't really be arsed. You know, he was like, maybe I, I'm doing him a disservice, but he didn't look like he really left the centre circle very much. You know, he's not, he's not, he's certainly not box to box, but he wasn't kind of that kind of 
first line of defence either. He was, I don't know, he just looked like he couldn't be arsed. No, I mean, there's, there's definitely still a footballing brain there because he was moaning. I think it was, I think it was actually Shankland who he played a good ball over the top for. And Shankland, you know, being, being the player he is, didn't read it at all. And he had a bit of a nibble at Shankland. And I think that's the sort of thing that, you know, had he had somebody like, dare I say, even Mayofsky, you know, who was able to kind of mm. spot a pass like that, um, it would have maybe been different. Um, but yeah, he's certainly, you know, I think that's, that's certainly fair what you're saying about him there, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like so, yeah, like I so said, we mentioned the changes there. Four minutes later, Mark Duke puts us in front. Um, I think that we'd been trying that type of through through pass a few times during the game, and it finally comes off. Um, it's a really good finish from him as well. You know, Craig Gordon can he can only he can only save you know make so many as Richard says. You know, run of the mill saves before one of them's finally going to go through his legs, and we're he's going to we're going to get the goal. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a composed finish. I've I've liked. Duke since he who who did he what was his debut I think it was in the League Cup in the uh, tried a overhead kick after it yeah against Sterling and I, I seem to remember you guys tweeting something like this boy's either going to be um, something special or he's going to be a Bella Bed type character you know I think from the moment he tried that I thought you're going to be amazing and I think he's he's getting up to strength now he's getting he's getting fitter he um, he's recognizing. The, the quality of player that he's playing with and the type of pass that he likes and he's getting that now. He, there was a little bit of, um, I was going to say headless chicken, but that's a little bit unfair. But there was a little bit of just raw enthusiasm maybe earlier and, and he seems to be, um, uh, he seems to be wisening up a little. And I, I mean that in a nice way. I mean, he's, he's, he's developing a, a, a football brain and he's still young. What is he, like 20 years old, 21? So he's, He's raw, but um, I think he showed a level of composure for that finish, which um, should be applauded. On Lopez, today was only a second start for us as well. Uh, the only other one that he had, he didn't make it to half time because he got sacrificed at Easter Road. So um, yeah. to see him go that long into the game, which would be far and away the longest he's had in a, an Aberdeen shirt. Well, I guess maybe ex- excusing the extra time at Annan, maybe he ended up playing mm. 75 minutes there. But to go that long into the game and then be able to explode and make an impact, I mean, it's probably no surprise that he was suffering from cramp, and we'll come mm. to that, um, how he's still able to comfortably <laughs> beat a couple of Hearts players whilst uh, on one leg. Um, but I mean, one of them Snodgrass, though. So, <laughs> like... <laughs> But uh, but no, the the fact that he's um, he is still developing, he is still physically um, coming to terms with having to play, you know, the full part of the game as opposed to just a substitute appearance. Um, I thought certainly going with a two was interesting. Maybe Mayovsky's tailed off a little bit the last couple of weeks. Again, I, I didn't think it was the most impressive ninety minutes from him this uh, this week, but. Uh, Really, today, today is all about Lopez. Uh, he's he's at the heart of that victory. He's at the heart of the first goal. Although I will say that um, I don't. I want to acknowledge Jack McKenzie's um, contribution to that one because you know he goes and wins a ball, which is probably a 30-70 ball. He is quite often the first target for a lot of people's ire and wrath. But I, th- I thought he had a relatively solid afternoon and did well. Again, coming in from. Nowhere really. Again, the last time we saw him, I think, was Annan, wasn't it? Uh, certainly, the last start he made was was the first half of Annan again, before being hooked at half time. So he does well. Ramadani plays a, a good ball, and it was a similar ball to one which um, Lopez got in a very similar position, maybe 10 minutes before that, and 
put one again low down gordon gets down well to to parry and then eventually holds so so you could see it was coming that kind of move it was just sharp football though and it was good it was a good sharp goal uh and a little bit fortunate with the finish but you know who cares and mark the ball well, that, that second one mark as was as no richard said there he kind of he, so he hobbles his way past you know and really it, it seemed to be i mean maybe it was different from other parts of the stadium from where we were sitting in the south stand it seemed to be in slow motion and um, he just kind of hobbled his way past what the entire hearts midfield kind of one of those things that you would do when you're when you're wasting time at fifa at the end of the game <laughs> yeah where you're just kind of going it just seemed to be just kind of like going really slow um and it was, it was a lovely ball from him to set up um Pesawin for the second as well and another another really good finish as well i've seen the goal back um on a clip and He's even slower watching it again. I don't know if the frame rate's been slowed down or something, but he is incredibly slow. And he did go down, didn't he? You know, like, and he clearly had cramp. He was doing that little stretch thing. Um, from the Richard Donald, where I was sat, he didn't seem too slow. But, like, it is, there is a bit of distance between between where I sit and where Duke was um, meandering past um, static hearts midfielders. They didn't seem to be, again, they couldn't be arsed. It didn't seem like they wanted to make the challenge. And it is a great ball. It's 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 the perfect pass to to Leon Bissouin. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe if he wasn't suffering from cramp, he would have had a dink himself. But um, he was he was done by then, though, wasn't he? Yeah, that's just what I was going to say. Actually, that uh, I thought it was a real sign of maturity if, to play that pass and to find that mm-hmm. pass because so often the season when he's been in that position, he's just taken a wild shot. But someone yeah. pointed out to me after the game that it's probably because he was knackered that he, that yeah. he didn't just shoot because he might have yeah. actually done a hamstring or something. So he finds yeah. that he finds that ball through and uh, Bazoin is in acres of space and he finishes well. So, so yeah, I put it, I put it down to growing maturity, which is probably the, the upside. It's probably the, uh, you know, the positive way of looking at things, but yeah, you're probably right. It's, it's probably as much to do with the fact that he was absolutely gone physically. I mean, that was his last contribution. Yeah. Yeah. Mark, um, look, we've been no, on here. We've been critical of Roos before, um, particularly myself, but today, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, no, yeah, I'm glad you listen. Um, <laughs> but it is only fair to praise him. Um, he was really solid today. There's still, still the usual issues with us, with us maybe, you know, passing it back to him a little bit too short sometimes. I think, but um, he, I thought he was really solid today. Good saves at important times as well. Yeah, you can't argue with any of that. He, he, he had a good game. Maybe one of his best games um, in an Aberdeen shirt. Um, Important saves, one towards the end of the first half. And, and just, I don't know, his decision-making was generally pretty good. His positioning was good. Yeah, some of those short balls across give me the heebie-jeebies. But um, I think in general, pretty good. Is he better than Joe Lewis? You know, like I still have this kind of, is he the best keeper at Aberdeen at the moment? And he's, you know, he's the one that's occupying the starting place. So clearly he is. He's, he's Goodwin's man as well, I suppose. But... Um, I don't know if there's anything that he does that's better than Joe Lewis. And I know that Lewis is coming for some criticism as well, and that's that's what happens as a goalkeeper. But um, I thought I thought today was Roos was very good. Yeah, good stops, key times, 
but it was the stuff we've seen him look good at. Hearts only had the one corner today. You know what I mean? There were no, mm-hmm. uh, they weren't really firing in crosses into sort of big target men in the box. Uh, they weren't just, you know, making him be uncomfortable in the way he has been uncomfortable trying to deal with those sort of things so far this season. You know, we'll speak later on today about how it's going to be Motherwell at Far Park next week. Well, that's a completely different story, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair. No, of course. It wouldn't be a match against Hearts without some thug trying to injure a young player because they're losing the game. So, um, step forward. Is it George or is it Jorge Grant uh, this time? I think lucky. Just I think it's lucky just to be a yellow for that as well. I think had um, Richard had scales not kind of stepped in and squared up to him, um, I think it might have been maybe the referee might have had a, another thought about it. Um, instead, instead they both get booked. Um, you know, we see this we see this every time uh, from Hearts. You know, Robbie Nielsen, he's another one from the Craig Levine coaching tree. What is it? What is it with Hearts that you know they've never changed for years? Um, just a team of thugs. If anybody, by the way, out there wants to make up, you know, the, the Craig Levine coaching tree, Forrest, <laughs> that could be something. That would be. That, there is actually, there is some fucking patter there. Um, if somebody could be bothered, if somebody could be bothered doing that, that would be awesome. Um, <laughs> a major six-part BBC Two series coming to you soon. Um... Oh yeah, just building building up the. the you know, see if we can get somebody on on board with that, and that'd be amazing. I didn't think. There was too much evidence of that today to be until that moment. And of course, Grant has only been on the field three minutes because he replaced Haring, who himself was a substitute. But, you know, we know took that very nasty looking concussion. Um, if you none of you have heard post-match, Robin Nielsen says that he seems OK, bright, awake in the dressing room kind of thing. So obviously he'll go through the protocols and... Um, hopefully he'll be okay because that looked quite worrying for a minute. But yeah, it, it was a nasty little challenge and the game was dead by that point. It was in the like, 93rd minute, 94th minute. There was just absolutely no need for it whatsoever. A sign of a man, he'd probably been annoyed to be on the bench and it was just frustrated that the team were 2 all down. I'd fucked off by then. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't see it. Admirably honest, it. Mark. <laughs> well, I've, I've, I mean, if you're wanting some, uh, some input there, I was thinking, well, should I just stay quiet here? But... My dad, my dad wanted to leave, so I was like, "Okay, let's go." Um, but I heard, I heard it was bad. I'll watch it back on the highlights. Um, but yeah, and obviously, I hope that the the Hearts players well. But yeah, I saw I saw Nielsen's interview with him um, talking about him as well. Hopefully, it's not as bad as as it sounds like it was. But I was well up Merkwin Street by then, Merkwin Road even. What you're t- what you're telling us is your dad was like, "Look, I'm cold. Let's go for a beer." Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were just at the photography bar when I think uh, so. Your tweet saying that that's the game over. So, <laughs> how early no, did you leave being, exactly? No, being honest. Well, I remember there was seven know, minutes like... of injury time, which yeah. I remember. Yeah, yeah, and my dad's not a fast walker either. <laughs> <laughs> Do you actually even go this afternoon, Mark? I mean, I'm not sure. You know, I, I definitely, I definitely attend half the stuff you guys talk about. Like, did he? Did that happen? What was that? Like I, I've said before, nearly every time I come on here, like when it comes down to like tactical analysis, and um, yeah, I'm not your man. In fact, if anything happens after the 85th minute, apparently I'm not your man. <laughs> I I do tend to stay towards the end, but you know, when when the old boy wants to go, the old boy wants well, to go. Well, uh, the old boy was right, and really, Jorge Grant should have listened to him because the game was done, the game was dead, and it was just such an unnecessary challenge and a unnecessary part of the pitch, and. Um, pfft, I don't know. I, I wasn't too 
obviously not very close to the action right over the main stand side. Um, I don't know if it quite justified a red, but it was just completely unnecessary. So that was Hearts anyway. Thankfully, there no, that's them out of the way for a few weeks. Um, we've got a game on Wednesday um, home at home at Park uh, in the League Cup. Not to maybe hopefully not to raise the ire of you know the people on Twitter, but you know there's a trip a trip to Hamden at stake here, Mark. There is, there is. What else do you want me to say? There, there is definitely a trip to Hamden at stake. <laughs> well, I say, um, no, like I'm not saying that. No, we're not saying that trips to Hamden are success, but for no. this team, um, it, yeah, be, think... it's a chance to make a statement, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think getting there um, is going to be important for Goodwin. I think it's important for us. If there hadn't been a positive result um, today, it would have been even more must win um, on Wednesday. Looking forward to it, you know. Wednesday night under the floodlights, quarterfinal. I don't think Park Thistle will be an easy game. You know, they're they're flying quite high in the championship. So, yeah, it'll be an interesting one on Wednesday. I mean, Richard, look, I mean, I'm not going to pretend that I know anything about this current Park Thistle team other than that the, the formerly much-vaunted Kame Smith plays for them. And you know, it's not like we're going to bother and go and get some go and get an expert to come in to talk about Partick. So, um, what do you know about them? Um, I, I know that Ian McCall's their manager, um, <laughs> which uh, which obviously always adds a little bit of a bit of spice. We get to see him is again. He, is he from the Craig Levine managerial tree or whatever? <laughs> Would he be spawned from there? Would he be? No, I don't think so. I think there's a whole like separate Ian McCall managerial tree going on. Actually, oh, is there? Yeah. There's a, there's two trees. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, the rock family trees, there are many rock family trees, so there are many <laughs> well, yeah. Scottish managerial yeah. family trees as well. Um, True. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I know the top of the championship, although, again, you know, the championship is very tight uh, and very concertina, much like positions 3 to 12 in, in the top flight. Um, so I doubt there's too much difference between them and first and the sort of sides halfway down the table. They still represent a challenge. You know, you, you spoke about making a statement by reaching the semi-finals. I would say it's doing the bare minimum because it's been group stages, it's been an and athletic away from home, and it's been Partick at home to reach the last four. I mean, come on. <laughs> if you yeah, can't negotiate no. that, then you've got real issues. It's a very, I think, promising route. Doesn't mean that we will just automatically sail to victory. I think we have only have to look back last season to the Wraith Rovers game. In fact, we don't even have to go that far. If we play like we did at Annan for the 90 minutes, we will be put out in 90 minutes by Park Thistle on Wednesday. And uh, We made a couple of changes in that Annan game. We, we brought in people and it, it didn't work. It didn't work. He, he changed back at halftime and it got marginally better and then we got a bit complacent. So there can't be any complacency. I don't want to see any resting of players on, on Wednesday. This is important. And it's not just about getting to the semi-final. It's about getting to the semi-final so you can then get to the final so that you can then win the tournament. That's what it's about. We need you in the dressing room. <laughs> like Martin you really style. don't, I like, can assure you. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm pumped for it now. Like, absolutely. I am, uh, like, play it now. Play it now. I mean, I mean I'll be totally... I'll be point. I'll be totally Sorry. honest. I would love to be. I would love to be a fly in the wall in the dressing room while Richard's trying to give the, give you know our first team a team talk, um, just to see them oh. looking at Richard going, "Who the fuck is this guy?" <laughs> I reckon. I reckon a healthy percentage of them listening to the podcast, Martin. I think you know. 
Well, I reckon that not one first team player has ever listened to any Aberdeen Football Club podcast. Well, that would be, the, sen- go- that'd be the sensible way to go, obviously. But since when a football is sensible? But fair point. They've maybe listened to the quiz when Mark lost all those many those many times. You never know. I don't know. Don't... I don't know if they'd listen to every time that Mark lost. Now, come on. <laughs> I don't think myself and Michael Grant lost. We just didn't win. <laughs> is that how you frame it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, so Aberdeen have still... never lost. We just haven't won quite just, a lot. We just times. didn't win. It was it was taken away from us. I think Michael's more upset about it than I am. Well, I mean, look, if, we, if I'm not, if I don't, I wouldn't want Richard doing the team talk. I certainly wouldn't want you doing the team talk as well, saying, "Look, guys, it doesn't matter if you win, just don't lose." Um, no. <laughs> and it'd, that's, be, that's, it'd be full of chip on the shoulder conspiracies as well. So. Be, that that sounds like a man playing for penalties in every cup game ever. Um, I'll be honest, Mark. So I'm not really comfortable with that. I, I don't think it's a conspiracy um, if it's if it's fact. <laughs> Oh, I love the bitterness. It's great. This is this is what we get you on for. It's, I love this. That's exactly what it is. There's nothing like bitterness. Oh, wait. Yeah, I, I don't think we've had Grant. Too. We haven't had Grant on for about ten months. So this guy here, we ready to explode. There's no way he'll come back on, man. He he really doesn't like you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and who could blame him? Uh, <laughs> uh, so so following on from um, Park on Wednesday in the League Cup, um, we travel to Motherwell on Saturday as well. Um, as Richard inferred to earlier, um, Motherwell are part of a group of what we call Jekyll and Hyde teams um, in the middle of the table, all, really all capable of beating each other, which seems to be the way that sort of this the middle of the table is going to go this season, Rich. Well, when you say middle of the table, you're including us, presumably, because, you know... I'm, take... I'm including us, I mean, basically, apart from, apart from probably Dundee United and Kilmarnock, um, I think probably you could that, put everybody this, else in there. The same Dundee United that beat us 4-0 last week, yeah? What did I say about Jekyll and Hyde? <laughs> um, yeah, every team is capable of beating everybody else apart from the top two, probably. Um, you know, we're one point behind Hibs and things are looking a lot rosier tonight than they did do last weekend. But yeah, it's just playing away from Pataudry thing again. And it's against a side that have had our number, totally had our number over the past two seasons. You know, last season in the league, it was uh, one draw, two defeats, and then obviously the, the cup tie defeat, which was the uh, final knockout blow at Stephen Glass's reign. Uh, this time round, a defeat at home to them. They won 3-2. They could have won by a few more. We were very ragged. And this time round, they didn't just sort of knock it long, bully us off the ball. They played football through us and they thoroughly deserved to win that game. Will it be the same sort of game next weekend? I th- Hard to say, really. What I, I will say has been the one consistent about us away from home, though, has been just that that lack of belief. Today, I thought in the last 20 minutes, we really had the belief that we were going to be the side that were going to go out and snatch that win. I, I have not been seeing that from us away from home when it's got to the same stages of those games. So the mentality, I think, really has to change. Hopefully, we are going there off the back of another win on Wednesday night, so... The morale level should be high. The, hopefully, again, Wednesday, we're, we're scoring a couple more goals. So, again, there's some belief in the side that there's some goals there. As usual, a game like that is going to be decided by fine margins. It'll be a case of who can who can sneak the first goal, who's going to who's gonna look more solid, which, which keeper is on better form. It's unlikely to be a classic, but I still I, I maintain that Motherwell are probably not the side that we've seen over the past couple of years. I, I think they do attempt to play a bit more football. You'd think that should play in our hands a bit more, but it certainly didn't last time out. 
Yeah, Mark, it would be nice to get one over him, over on them after you know, a couple of shockers recently. I mean, is it is, is it as simple as to say it'll come down to how well we deal with Van Veen this time? Yeah, he's a weird one, is he? But like, I mean, I, he's he's scoring goals this season too. Um, we do need to contain him. Can we contain him? That's that is the question. And um, I don't know. I'm talking about him as if he's like prime Ronaldo. But like I mean, he's not. He just, he, he has performed well against us. He, he's on like is it ten goals, eleven goals, and it was a hat trick a couple of weeks ago. It, it will come down to how we maybe not only deal with him, but deal with the supply to him. That's that's just as important. I, I don't know if we can though. Do you know like like we are a little bit um, suspect at the back. It's it's a yeah, it's a tough one. It's a struggle. I think if we can go and attack them. Um, and put them under pressure. That's that's probably the best way to counter counter that um, threat. But I agree with everything Richard said there as well. They've also got a tie midweek. They're they're playing. They've got the 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 joy of facing Celtic at home at six fifteen on Wednesday night. Um, in order that both Old Firm teams can be put on the telly on the same evening, it would seem. Again. You'd expect them to have a harder evening. Maybe come out of that with a couple of reds. Who knows? You know, if, if we're if I'm saying that Hearts' exertions on Thursday night played a part in how the tail end of that game today went, then you know maybe both sides' relative exertions during the during the week will play a part next uh, next weekend as well. But it's um it, it's one that I'm hopeful rather than expectant of um, three points because it, I think it'd be a really good sign if we could go there and win. I think that would be a sort of statement result that we've been looking, we're really longing for. Today's part of the way towards that, but we know we can win at home. We've been, we've been able to win at home under Stephen Glass as well. It's the away form which has been really, really damaging and really, really, really patchy. Um, certainly anywhere other than Amundville or McDermott. So to go there against a side that has caused us a lot of pain over the past 18 months would be something akin to a statement victory. And again, you've got to factor in the weekend after that, we were at Ibrox. Mark, Richard's, Richard's right to bring up, no, we, we've, we've, all, um, we've all been raging, disappointed, you know, insert your own word there for, for how poor the away form has been. And I think statement result is, is the right thing to use because... It has to. It has to change eventually. Um, you know, you know, I mean, hopefully it does. Hopefully it does this Saturday, and then hopefully it does it um, the week after Ibrox as well. It does. Like I hope so. I hope so. But it it shows that um, what Motherwell have done to us in the past. You know, we've had a few bloody noses off them, um, and I'm I'm always quite an optimistic fan. I reckon we should be going to Motherwell and just swatting them aside. But the fact is that that hasn't happened over the last kind of eighteen months, two years. But yeah, if we can if we can get a victory against Motherwell, you know that's the and hopefully we've already beaten Park Thistle. That's three on the bounce. We go to Ibrox, who are they're kind of on the ropes at the moment, aren't they? You know they're they're there to be to be got at. And I was disappointed um, that the home game was was postponed because I think that that was a a, a golden opportunity to to take three points off of them. The whole home and away thing, it really has got into our heads because it shouldn't matter that much. If we're a half-decent side mm-hmm. at home, we should be more than capable of going away to a lot of these venues and doing the business. So I, I think it's really got into our heads. You know, we all know that there is an advantage to playing at home. It's It's been proven year after year in various different leagues. It makes a difference, but it shouldn't make that much of a difference to this team. 
you know, we're not going to massively intimidating arenas here either. We're going to no. Motherwell, which will have four and a half thousand people there, maybe next Saturday. And just weird how lacking in any sort of vitality or buzz that we seem to be away from home, whereas we can do it at home. And we've over the last two managers have had the same issues. Yeah, and, and to the towards the end of McInnes. Oh yeah, well. absolutely. You know there was absolutely. a, you know, so you're absolutely right. And I suppose like it's, it's a new squad, so you'd like to think that you know the the past um, doesn't come into it. It's, it's a whole new team, more or less. You know, but if it is in our heads as as fans, is in the players' heads as well. You know, like it must play on you, even ever so slightly. It must must come into your your thoughts pre-match during the game as well you lose a goal you're kind of like oh fuck's sake here we go again you know there's, there's maybe that that's certainly what it looked like at Panadice as well that I said I wasn't going to talk about ever again but um <laughs> yeah it kind of looks a bit like that well at least we know that if the if the away form doesn't pick up in the short term we're at, uh, we're at Rugby Park on the 28th of December um so we're guaranteed to win there surely I don't know Ash Taylor's a danger he says <laughs> he's, he's he says tempting the most amount of fate yeah, yeah, he's already done it, hasn't he? Though I suppose he's already scored against us this season. So, surely it would have been easier to say we were at Ammonville on the eighth of November, since that's somewhere we've actually won at. Yeah, but I felt like I felt like take, I felt like taking felt like a shot at Yeah, okay. I felt like no, I felt like taking a shot at Colmarnock because we always win at Rugby Park. Right. Uh, but with that. Um, that brings a, an end to the podcast uh, this week. Um, I want to thank Mark Elric for coming on. Thanks, thanks, Mark. Thanks for the invite, gents. Thank you. No problem. It's always a pleasure. Thanks, thanks as always, Richard. Cheers, Martin. Uh, we'll be back. Well, um, we've been kind of prolific of late, I suppose. So, um, if you know, you never know if there's a, a League Cup victory and uh, three points at um, Motherwell next weekend. We might be back next week with you. But until then, we'll just have to see. So come on, you guys.